go ahead and turn in your Bibles to First uh, John chapter three, verse two. It says this: "Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself, just as He is pure." Now, if we take a look at this verse, if we uh, back up to verse 2, and if we take a look at this passage, it's, it's a timeline of sorts. And, and we're going to just take a look at that, that time span here for a minute. First of all, he's talking about right now. He says, now we are the children of God. Isn't that right? All right. And it has not yet appeared what we will be. Now he's talking about a different time, isn't he? What time is that? Well, he says in the next line what it is. We know that when he appears, so that's then. So now we're here, and then is that point at which he appears to come back to get us. Or if we pass away before Jesus comes back, if we die on this earth, then we'll go to heaven, and then, and then uh, that is the time we'll, the Bible says that that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so we have now, we're alive on this earth, and then when Jesus comes back or when we're in heaven. So, beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Well, take a look at now. And it, it, uh, it says here that it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Well, what is it talking about? What are we going to be like in heaven? What are we going to be like when, when we change? There's going to be a change. So, so what, what is that going to look like, and what's God going to do? You know, the, it says that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. But the, the third time that it's talking about is, is, okay, we have now, and we have then when Jesus appears, and then we have the in-between part, skip up to the next verse, says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we have the in-between time, we have now, where we know we're not like him because we haven't seen him yet in that way. When, he's, when he comes back, we're going to change. But we're there now. But in between now and then, it says here, see that scripture? I guess I should point there. I can see that. You probably can't see that. But it says, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. So let's take a look at this. You know, I think most of us know we're body. We have a body. We're a spirit man. God made us a spirit like him. And we have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, right? We know these things. These are real basic things, but I, I, I need to go over this. Our spirits are made new already. We're a new creation in Christ. Out with the old, in with the new, we're brand new. It says we're a new creation. That isn't, he didn't just fix our spirit, you understand that. He made a new spirit and put it inside of us, right? And, and it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with that, our spirit man. Our spirit man is a good guide. Our spirit man connects with God. Our spirit man is where the Holy Spirit dwells. And, and so he, his presence is, is with us. Our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions. Our souls need help. They are not saved yet. If you are a new Christian, and even if you're not a new Christian, because Paul said, I have not arrived yet. 
all right? Well, he wasn't talking about his body because that was obvious. That would have been stupid to say, well, I'm not in heaven yet while he's standing there talking to you. We already knew that. Okay, so he wasn't talking about his body and he wasn't talking about his spirit because he's the one who told us, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So we know he wasn't talking about his spirit, man. He was talking about his soul. So our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, those things need to get saved, renovated, transformed, renewed. There's lots of words the Bible uses to talk about what has to happen in that realm. And that's a process. But when it talks about our bodies, it says our bodies are going to be changed. Now, I'm excited about that. Okay, I'm excited about that because the Bible doesn't actually give us a whole lot of information about heaven. Have you ever thought about that? It's actually not a lot there. Somebody, I, I, I had a pastor who was obsessed with this thought. What are we going to do in heaven? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am pretty sure that we're not going to lay around on clouds and play harps. Thank you, Renaissance artists. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure that is not what's going to happen. Um, but my old pastor, he kept bugging the Lord about it. And, and finally, the Lord said to him, well, you're going to serve one another in love. Well, okay. Well, that sounds good, and that sounds believable and reasonable, doesn't it? But it doesn't really tell you a whole lot about what's going to happen in heaven, right? Um, you can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. In other words, your body as it is is not going to go to heaven. Your body as it is cannot enter heaven. Your body has to change. How is it going to change? The Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of information about that. We just know it's going to. We'll take a look at some of the information it does give us, though, all right? Verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, meaning die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. Bodies that won't die. Amen? They won't get old. They won't get wrinkled. They won't get age spots on them or whatever bodies do. And we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Well, we don't know a whole lot about what that change is, do we? I mean, think about it. There are a few hints in the word. Uh, after Jesus was resurrected, if you want to look in John 20, uh, the disciples were gathered in a room with the doors shut because of the fear of the Jews, and suddenly Jesus was there. The door did not open. The window did not open. But Jesus was suddenly there. Apparently, doors and walls and windows don't matter a whole lot to, to Jesus' heavenly body. Will our bodies be like that? I don't know. Maybe. The Bible doesn't say anywhere if our bodies are going to be that, but it does say we'll, we will be like him. So I think that's very possible. Walls will be irrelevant. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our bodies are going to be changed. Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. These are just some things I've been pondering, so you're just going to have to walk through this with me. I apologize for that. Um, did you notice that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't just suddenly appear in the temple at Jerusalem? Where did he go? No, he came back to his body because he didn't get a brand new body. 
just like you're not going to get a brand new body, your body's going to be changed. Not the same thing as a brand new body. It's not like what happens to our spirit man. So Jesus had to come back to his body that was dead, and it was raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit and changed. The body isn't brand new. We don't get a brand new body. We just get a changed body. Now, it's going to change. It says in the twinkling of an eye, and that's pretty fast, all right? And it's, we shall, it says we shall all be changed, whether we, whether we die on this earth or whether we're alive when Jesus comes back and we rise to meet him there, we're going to all be changed. What will we do in the future in heaven? Well, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says in verse 2, it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven, and I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise, now think about this, and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Now think about that. That may be why the Bible is fairly silent on the subject of what heaven's like. I don't know. Again, there's a whole lot of questions here, but it's an interesting subject, and I think I'm curious about it. Anybody else curious about what heaven might be like? Sure. So, so there's a few things that we do know, and I'm just going to race through these. So just you don't have to try to look them all up. You can if you want to. John 17.3 says, we will know God there. Does that sound good? This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, we're going to know him. He's not going to just be, you know, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, it's blessed to have faith without seeing. That's what Jesus said to Thomas when Thomas was like, well, as I see the hand and put my finger in his hand and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe that he's alive. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. But we're going to see him. We're going to be face to face with him. We're going to be in the throne room with God. And and the Bible says we're going to know him. I'm excited about that. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will fully know just as I have been fully known. You know, I'm, I am excited about that. You know, they didn't have mirrors like we have mirrors. That word is actually a glass. Have you ever looked in glass? And back, if you look in a really old piece of glass, my parents' house is about 100. The parents, the house that I grew up in, they just moved out of it recently. But it, it's about 100 years old. And a lot of the windows, the glass, the original glass has started to sag. And, and, and you look through it, and you kind of got to work your eye around just to see out the window because the glass is all a little bit warped and old. Well, you can imagine, okay, that was 100 years ago. Imagine the glass 2,000 years ago was even worse. So, so Paul said, you know, now we see through a glass dimly. You know, you got to get that glass just right or maybe a piece of silver or something that you're trying to see your face in. They didn't have mirrors like we have mirrors that are pretty exact. But, but Paul said, We see through a glass dimly now, but then face to face. We won't have any more questions. You ever ask that question, God, is that really you? When he's speaking something to you, you're not 100% sure. I don't know. I don't know if that's God or not. You know, one day I was in class and and down at Raymond, Brother Hagen said, 
yeah, the Lord told me to do something with my finances, but I didn't know if it was God or not, so I didn't do it. And I thought to myself at the moment, well, what hope is there for me then? Because if he doesn't know if it's God, how in the world am I going to know? And then after I thought about it a little more, it was kind of reassuring because it's like, yeah, well, we're all in the same boat. So, you know, but, but that's what Paul's talking about. Here on earth, sometimes we don't know. But, you know, if, if we stay with him and just keep following him, we get more and more attuned to our spirit man and, and, and we'll know. All right? So, moving on. What else will heaven be like? The Bible says there will be joy there. Psalm 1611 says... You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? All right. Um, <clears throat> also, apparently there's going to be things to do there because in Matthew 25, 23, this was the parable of the talents. And, and the master, meaning God, gave several ones t- different talents each one more than another. And uh, when, when the, the servant had earned, uh, had put his talent to work and had earned back a, a, a prosperity on that, 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 whoa, and had earned back more than the master had given him, the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. We're going to apparently be in charge of things. Okay. You know, that, that's good motivation for us to get busy and do something down here. Amen? So that's okay. So um, the, uh, also we're going to be one with the Father. Not only are we going to know him, but the Bible says we're going to be one with him. Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified you. He is talking about God on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world. You know, we're seated in Christ. We are part of who he is. We are expressed within him. And so, as a part of his body, he's one with God. We're going to be one with God. That's just how that's going to work. What's that going to look like? I have no idea, but it's going to be good. Revelation 21. We're a little more familiar with this passage. You can turn there if you want. Revelation 21, at the end of John's uh, vision of his revelation that God gave him, in uh, starting with verse 2 of Revelation 21, it says this, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, or the dwelling of God, is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will, be, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write down these words, for they are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. 
Sounds pretty good, huh? Still doesn't tell you a lot, but it's still good. So, so we have the now from our very first verse that we looked at. We have the, the, the right now where we don't see things the way they're going to be. And we have the then where we kind of have a little of an inkling of what heaven's going to be like and what, our pre- what being in the presence of the Lord is going to be like. But we have the in-between part where there's a process of purification according to, second, or according to 1 John 2. So the in-between parts can be a little challenging. Go ahead and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 while I'm talking here. The in-between parts can be a little challenging because we don't see him as we is. But you know what? It can also be exciting when we see the progress we're making. And, uh, and, and it can be difficult sometimes and a little frustrating sometimes when we aren't making... How many of you have ever felt like you weren't making progress fast enough? All right. We were talking about that in men's group this week. And, and you know what? I'm telling you, it isn't God's fault that we're not moving faster. All right? God's waiting on us a lot more than we're waiting on him. I'm just going to let you know that that may be disappointing to you. And I can think of lots of times when, uh, when, uh, <clears throat> when I, I've, told the, <laughs> I've told the Lord, Lord, I'm ready. <laughs> but it didn't happen. And then when it happened, I thought, you know, I wasn't really ready. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't really ready. See, this, this in-between now and then, this process that we have to get through. Okay, the, the, there, there's, a, there's, there's some things that just have to happen. And, and we're not r- ready for things as much as we think we are. But you know what? God will move as fast as we will let him. And the more we cooperate with him, the faster he can move. So, you know, the more sensitive we get to him, the more time we, we spend uh, in his presence the more time we spend in his word, and I'm not saying that you should, you know, spend, you know, 23 out of 24 hours a day in his word. That's not realistic. God doesn't even expect that from you, not even remotely. But, but he does love you, and he wants to spend time with you, and he's crazy about the time he gets to spend with you. He loves that. So the more we do that, you know, the more that we get to know him and the more, you know, Brother Hagen, I don't mean to talk about him a lot tonight, but there it comes again. Um, you know, he, he talked about being spirit conscious, being connected to our spirit. He actually said this, this kind of blew my mind one day. He said, I'm, I'm more aware of spiritual things than I am of natural things. I hate to say that I am not there, but I am not there. But you know what? He walked with the Lord a long time. And, and walked with the Lord closely, and he spent time meditating in the Word, and he spent time learning how to follow him. And what, you know, I missed it here, so I'm not going to do that again. I made it here. I got this one right. I'm going to keep doing that. You know, that's what he wants. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't expect more than that from us. You know, I think some people have this concept and I, I meet with people sometimes. Some people have this idea that God's just stressed with them all the time. You know, he's not stressed with you at all. Now he just loves you. And he loves, you know, you know we don't, uh, when, when Jake was away at college last year, we didn't sit at home stressed because he wasn't there. You know, but when he came home, we were thrilled that he came home. You know, it was just awesome to see him, and it was awesome to spend time with him. You know, that's how the Lord feels when you spend time with him. He's excited about it. He loves that. So, so don't, don't, don't beat yourself up every day. Are you in 2 Corinthians yet? 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, he's talking about his body, is torn down, that means it dies, we have a building from God, that's the new body, wow. All right, so I'm going to start over. We know that this earthly tent, which is our house, if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house, this body, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We don't even realize it, baby, but we're longing for that heavenly body, that body that doesn't get sick, that body that doesn't grow old, that body that doesn't get tired. Amen on that? <laughs> Inasmuch as we, verse 3, having put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal, our bodies here, will be swallowed up by life eternal. So, verse 6, Therefore, being always of good courage, that's where we're supposed to be in this in-between time, between now and then, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now see, that, that is where we have to be. We're going to talk about that a little bit here. We have to walk out this life in faith. We have to walk out this life trusting him. To, to help us, to work with us, to help us through that purification process, to help us through that process between now and then, where we get to heaven. Between now and then, we want to stay in faith. We want to stay connected to him. Amen? All right. Verse 7 again. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, right now, we have as our ambition, whether at home now or absent in heaven, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, see God, God is keeping track of what we're doing here on this earth. You know, whether you realize that you're a builder... We may actually have some builders in the church, some people who are skilled with their hands and capable of making things or building things. But, but we're all builders because we're all building our lives. That process where between now and then, part of that process is building. Uh, we're also talking about, we're also uh, something of a gardener. I know. I'm not a very good gardener. I have to say that. Um, for, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul was talking to uh, the church in Corinth. Um, Paul first came to Corinth. It, the, the account of when Paul first went and ministered in Corinth is in Acts 18. And Paul ministered there for quite a while. He taught them for quite a while. He raised up a church there, and then he left. Uh, and and when uh, after he left, a teacher named Apollos came in and was, was helping the church, teaching in the church, ministering in the church. 
doing good things. But what happened there in the church, as could happen in any church, the people got a little divided. And some of them, they were like, well, we're loyal to Paul because he was the founder of our church. And some of them are like, yes, but Apollos is here now and he's teaching us and we're loyal to Apollos. And the real spiritual one says, well, we're loyal to Jesus. Yes, that's great. So we have, a, so we have this division in the church and Paul's addressing this because he's like, all right, grow up, you guys. Enough. See, in between the then and the now, we're supposed to be growing up. All right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Paul writes this, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted the church, Apollos watered, but God is causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Verse 8, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So skip to verse uh, 12. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, now he's talking about what you're doing with your life. He's talking about the progress you're making in your life, the building you're doing. I, I've probably built some things on my foundation with gold, and I hate to say I've probably built a few things with hay, too. All right? Verse 13, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has, which he has built on remains, he will receive a, a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about the work you're doing in your life. He's talking about the quality of work that you're doing in your life. You know, most of us have had a little variation in the quality, all right? You know, gold and silver and precious stones are not going to burn up. Wood, hay, stubble, they're going to they're not, not be there. You know, but, 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 God, but God gives us his word and gives us his help to know how we're to build, to know how we're to cultivate that garden. We are being built and, and, and we are being built up by the gifts in the church, pastor, teacher, evangelist, right? Prophet, apostle. We're being built up by the gifts that God puts in the church, by the, the work that each one does in our, in our church body. We're being built up, but we're also building in ourselves. All right, We're being cultivated by people outside of us, and we're also cultivating ourselves. You know, are we, uh, you know, who are we letting build us? You know, this is a good question. You know, are, are we submitting ourselves to good teachers? Now, I'm preaching to the choir here, but are we submitting ourselves to, to good teaching? Or are we, you know, I, I had friends, dear friends, love these people, but they were like, yeah, the teachings just, this was not in this city, so I can talk about this, okay? You know, they're like, the teaching in our church is just too hard. We need to go somewhere. We're going to go somewhere where, where they don't, it's not quite so hard to hear every time. Like, okay. Okay. You know, I, I, don't think, I don't think the message of the gospel, the truth of the gospel is that hard of a message, but if you just don't want to hear the truth. 
All right, I better keep going. You know, you know, we're we're working. The Bible says we are working. We are building. We are cultivating. What's the quality of the work? God keeps track of that. But you know what? He's not a hard master. You know, he gives us credit. You know, I mean, think about this. I want you to think about this. The Bible says that, that if you give a cup of cold water to a prophet, you'll get a reward. Okay, so this isn't real tough. You understand that he's not looking, he's not looking for, for you know, you don't have to go, you know, I, I went to Upper Volta and, you know, held a crusade for 12 million people. He is not looking for that, all right? He is just asking you to do the things that he called you to do, all right? And, and if there's a prophet that needs a cold, cup of cold water, go for it because the Bible says that you won't fail to get your reward for doing that. So, but, but God is looking at our diligence, amen? Amen? So, so I want you to think about this, though. Turn over to John chapter 6. Because, because we have to know at the bottom line, what is it that God wants us to be doing? What work is it exactly that he wants us to be doing? What is he looking for? What, what is the standard by which he judges the work that we do? Fair question. It's a good question. One that deserves an answer. John chapter 6, if we look in verse 28, <clears throat> they ask him that same question. And it says this, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? What work does God want us to do? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's the work of God. That's the standard by which he judges our work. Are we walking in faith? Are we trying to please him by what we do? Well, if I, if, I, if I go to church every Sunday, and I'm not late, and I go to church every Wednesday, then I think I'm good. Now, see, that isn't, that's not a faith. See, that, that isn't walking in faith. Well, it could be walking in faith, but if you're just doing it because I'm checking that off, I'm checking that off. Oh, I read my chapter today. Yes. So I can check that off. But see, that isn't, that isn't God's standard at all. God's standard is... Do you believe in the one he sent? Are you believing what he said? Are you, are you walking in faith? Are you walking in, in a way that you're trusting him and walking with him and trying to please him? You know, he's, a lot, he's, he, he's not interested in the checklist. He's interested in the relationship that you have with him. You know, he's looking at your heart. Remember, remember uh, when God sent Samuel after Saul turned his back on God and refused to obey God. You know, Saul was that guy, checklist guy. But I did do what the God said. No, he didn't. He didn't even try. He wasn't even listening. He just was doing what he wanted to do and saying, I did what God said. No. So God sent Samuel to Jesse in Bethlehem, who had nine kids, I think, off the top of my head. And, and God said, I'm going to have you anoint the son of Jesse that I tell you to anoint to be the next king. And uh, eight of them were there. And the first one was tall and handsome and looked like a king. And Samuel, the Bible says, said to himself, that's got to be the guy. And God said, no, I've rejected him because I look at the heart and you look at what's on the outside. See, God's all about the heart. So he went through all eight and 
God said no on all eight. So Samuel's like, <clears throat> I asked you to bring your whole family. Is there another one somewhere? Oh, yeah, the young one's out with the sheep. <laughs> go get David. We're not starting until you go get David. So when David got there, the Lord spoke to Samuel and says, Arise and anoint him because he's the one I've chosen. And what does the Bible say about him? It says he had a heart after God. See, see, that's what God cares about. See, he, he's not, he, he just wants to know your hearts with him. He, you know, what's the work of God? To believe in the one he has sent. So between the then, or between the now and the then, you know, keep your heart right with God. Amen? All right. You know, it, it's about faith. Um, Romans 1, 17 says, for, for in the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You know, as we follow God, everything is from faith to faith. And, and every step is from faith to faith. And, and that's how we walk this thing out. Because, because that is our faith God. He spoke the world into existence by faith. That's who God is. That's what he does. And he made us to be just like him. You know, this building process, this cleansing process is, is an awesome time. And uh, God, God wants us. He wants us stronger. He, he, uh, he helps us. <clears throat> the, uh, there, there's some, some things, though, that, that we have to do. Uh, go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, when Jesus called his 12 disciples, he told them, follow me. You know, it, it hasn't changed. When, when Jesus called you, you may not have heard those words, but that's what he said. He said, follow me, because he is our good shepherd. He is the one who leads us to eternal life. He's the one who leads us in life. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. That's how you know you're a child of God, is because uh, we're all being led. Well, I don't ever feel like I'm being led. Yeah, you're being led. How did you know that you needed God? Well, something inside, right. That's how we know we're being led. There's something inside, something that's, that's leading us in a direction, something that, 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 that we're impressed to go in a direction. God leads us that way. Are you in 1 Corinthians 5? All right. Um, in, in the Old Testament, when, when, uh, when Moses was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, they, they had what they called a Passover dinner. The, the Passover was a time when God was going to judge the Egyptians, and, uh, and God told the, the Hebrews that if they would put blood over their doorway... And they would, and he gave them clear instructions about what they were supposed to do. That the that the the judgment would pass over their houses, and and the destruction would not come to their houses. And so, so one of the things that that God told them to do 
is to make bread without any leavening, without bread, without any yeast or any, anything to make the bread rise. And, and the Bible, when the Bible talks about leaven, most of the time it's talking about sin. Because, you know, you just, uh, the, the Bible talks about how a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of yeast, you just put a little bit of yeast in the bread. But, but my grandma used to make bread. My mom used to make bread some. Most people just go buy bread at the store. But if you put yeast in the bread, what happens to the bread if you just let it sit there? It starts getting right. So, so they made bread without leaven. And, and the comparison in the Bible is always talking about you being without sin. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, starting with verse 6, it says, Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven, meaning the sin, so that you may be a new lump, just as you, in fact, are unleavened. Now, see, when, now, now that sounds a little confusing, so just, just track with me on this, all right? Um, when, when you receive Jesus into your life, most of you, I'm sure, have received Jesus into your life. You know, the Bible says, as many as have received him... God gave the right to become the children of God. So, so when you receive Jesus into your life and you became a new creature, see, see, God just forgave all that sin. All that sin was just wiped out and your spirit man was made brand new. And so, so that's like the comparison here is bread without leaven. And so he says, get rid of the leaven as you in fact are unleavened. Meaning, God already made you perfect. But you know what? Our bodies, our minds, our will and emotions still may want to do the wrong thing. Have you noticed that? I can't be the only one. Okay, so just <laughs> nod politely right now and thank you. Make me feel better. Okay, thank you. So sometimes our bodies and, and sometimes our, our emotions don't line up to what God has. But, but see, see. What, what God wants for us to do is to start living the way we really are. Our spirit man's perfect. There's nothing wrong with our spirit man. It's a new creation. There's not one thing that it wants to do wrong. Your spirit man never wants to do anything wrong. But, but there's three votes, okay? There's three votes here. Your, your spirit gets one vote, your soul gets one vote, and your body gets one vote. So we got to get our souls strong, because our bodies aren't going to change till then, remember? Yeah, they don't change till then. In the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. We're going to be like him when we see him. That's going to be great. But right now, so the, so the body's going to vote against us, and the spirit man's always going to vote the right way, and, and, and we got to get that soul straightened out so that it will vote with the spirit, and then we're going to not live in a way that we don't want to live. You know, Paul talked about that. Some people look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 7 and feel like Paul's talking in circles. The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do do. Okay? And, 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 and he, but he's talking about that fight between the body and the spirit and the soul. All right? But as we str get stronger, as we walk with the Lord, uh, as, we, as we grow in the Lord, um, we, we, are, we get more and more able to, to get rid of the leaven. In other words, get rid of the sin and walk in a way that pleases him. All right? Don't, don't beat yourself up when you mess up. Just 
Go to God. Don't run from him. Don't pull a Jonah and head to Tarshish, you know. Don't do that. If you don't know the story, don't worry about it. Um, but, 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 you know, if you mess up, run to God. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and, and he'll get you right back to where you were. And, and, and that pleases him when you come running to him. So don't run from him. Amen? All right, James chapter 1. One of Pastor's favorite verses. He loves this one. We're not going to read it out of the King James with James chapter 1 with the superfluity of naughtiness, which is what it says in the King James, which means nothing to most of us. But anyway, uh, in, in a translation that is a little bit more of the language that we use in the 21st century, um, James chapter 1, verse 21 says this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, see, we're getting rid of the leaven, we're getting rid of the sin, and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted or the word engrafted. Now, some of you may not know what that word grafted means, but, but we can talk about that just real quickly here. My, my neighbors, when I was a kid, had an apple tree that was grafted. And what it was is they took a branch from five different kinds of apple trees, and they, took the, they cut the branch off of the base of this apple tree, and they put a new branch on there from a different kind of an apple tree. So this apple tree had five different kinds of apples growing on one tree because it was grafted or engrafted into a different kind of a tree. Now see, the Word of God, God grafts it into us. Now, I have to say, because we're our, our spirit man is new, when, when, something, when we learn something from the Word, you know, when something like hits us, when we get insight or revelation into something and we're like, ah, that is my answer. That's what I needed to know. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those moments when you get into God's Word and you're like, that's it, you know, and you're so excited about it. it it's, almost like, it's almost like if you can track with me, it's like when you've been trying to put a puzzle together and that piece, that, and you finally find that piece and it fits, all right? You know, when, when, when that Word, the Word of God gets engrafted inside of us, when, when it becomes a part of us and, and we're learning and we get a hold of something and it's exciting. See, see that is when we're making progress. Amen? And, and, and James 1.21 says we're supposed to receive that word that's implanted. You know, I was talking to uh, John uh, yesterday at breakfast and uh, he was talking about uh, people who have transplants. When you have a trans, he's he's a nurse practitioner, by the way. He's in the medical field. And when people get a transplant, there's lots of different kinds of transplants they can do these days. You know, heart, kidney, lung. I don't know what else. There's lots of them. Um, they do transplants. But your body, if they don't give you certain medications to help you, your body will reject those because it isn't a part of you. But see, we're not going to reject the word of God because because our spirit man's new. God's made us new, and that is a part of us. And when we get that implanted into us, it just makes us stronger. There's nothing about us that wants to reject it. In fact, quite the opposite. What does the word say? The word says the truth, 
will make you free. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. God's word is truth. And, when we, and it says you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, see, that's what this is all about. God isn't up there trying to beat you up. He's not up there trying to straighten you out. He loves you. He wants you to get a hold of the truth. He wants you to get that word engrafted into you, built into you, that piece of the puzzle that was missing that you finally got, you got it. And then we grow, and then we get stronger. Isaiah 41, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, which I probably can't find in my notes, but I can quote most of it. There it is. It says, You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts. You know, when I found God, I felt that's, like, that's exactly what happened. Like he found me on the end of the earth, and he brought me to himself. You... <laughs> You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, Isaiah 41.9, and called from its remotest parts, I said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. Hear this. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see what God's doing? He's helping you. He's giving you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one called alongside to help, to help you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to give you the truth when you need it, to give you encouragement when you need it, to, to stand there. And, and when, when all hell is breaking loose against your life, he's standing there giving you encouragement. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would take from what was his and give it to us. See, see we are being built up by him. That process from now to then isn't just us on our own, hoping that it's going to work out. No, 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 no. He's right there with us. You know, he's right there alongside of us, right there helping us, strengthening us, and lifting us up. You know, the Bible says that the, the word washes us. The word is able to make us, uh, the word implanted is able to save our souls. You know, he is trying to get us to a good place, not because it helps him. Do you understand it doesn't help him at all? No, no, no. He's trying to help us get to that place to get purified, to get stronger, because it helps us. It doesn't do a thing for him, except he loves it when he sees his children prospering. He loves it when he sees his people growing and in unity and loving one another and following their hearts instead of their heads and their emotions, which can be a little wacko some days. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm not the only one, right? All right, one last verse, and then we'll call it tonight. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and we're seated with him, amen, according to Ephesians 2. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then, not now, you also will be revealed with him in glory. You know, when that day comes, when Jesus shows up, and he comes to get his church, and, and we're changed in a minute, you know, it says we also are going to be revealed, you know, 
We're going to be surprised at what happens. We're going to be surprised at the changes in us. We're going to be surprised when we're suddenly like him because we see him as he is. And that's going to be awesome. I'm excited for that. But you know what? In between now and then, I want to get as close to that spot as I can get. You know, I, I want to get as close to him as I can. I want to make as much progress as I can. I want to get as, as, as close to him as I can and as spirit conscious as I can so that I can... Because that makes life on earth easier. And, and when I get things in my own life working better, then, then I don't have to think about me so much. And, and then I can think about blessing somebody else. And I can think about helping somebody else. And I can think about loving somebody else. We all can get very, very self-focused. And sometimes when we get too self-focused and the enemy gets us all living in guilt and shame and what have you, then we're missing the opportunities that God wants to put before us to be a blessing to other people because we're so focused on us. You know, he, he, God gets us. He gets us. He knows where we're at. He understands where we're at. But, you know, he's always there trying to help us get stronger. He's always there trying to help us get to the place where where he sees us and, and help us grow and be, uh, be everything that he wants us to be. There. I didn't do the verse. I stopped myself. <laughs> we better pray. Father, we thank you for your word.